hi there. I'm Ari Lynette, and yes, I'm uploading this episode on a Sunday instead of a Saturday. Stuff happened, but I wasn't going to miss another week because I feel like this episode's relevance really depends on when it's going to be uploaded. So the sooner I put this up, the more purposeful this whole episode is going to be. And hopefully you won't forget that this happened. <laughs> so here is episode 13, and in episode 13, I will be trying my best to unpack the colossal amount of information that was unloaded onto the internet on the evening of December 10th, 2020. This was the day of the Disney Investor Day. What a redundant sentence that was. So to get you up to speed on Disney's history of announcements, they typically hold an event every two years called the D23 Expo, though often that just gets shortened to just D23. The last one is in 2019, so predictably 2020 wouldn't have one, and I believe the 2021 event has been pushed back to 2022 due to COVID-related reasons. But what often happens at D23, other than them displaying costumes and holding contests for their fans and doing their Disney Legends Awards ceremony, which is always lovely, is a shit ton of exposition. That's why it's called an expo. The exposition is just them giving you information regarding upcoming projects. This will include new trailers for films and series, celebrity guests, and casting announcements, plus, of course, the announcement of new projects. So what might shock you about 2020 is that even with this year being the year that D23 would usually take a year off regardless, it's not exactly the best time to do events in person. So Disney decided that instead they'd make all of their new announcements online instead. And from that point onward, the 10th of December 2020 would be known as Disney Investor Day. There would be a live presentation online hosted by a plethora of Disney personnel. Or at least I think that's what it was because I didn't watch it. So what I was doing instead was following the announcements through Twitter and a handy little Twitter thread where Disney just posted everything. And let me just clarify, I'm not using the word everything as hyperbole. I mean that Disney took their day to announce pretty much everything that could be happening within their colossal media empire. And no, this didn't include theme park news. I know that probably doesn't matter to a lot of people, but I'm not one of those people. I love theme parks and I would have been very excited to hear some theme park news. I will welcome any new thing that comes to the Disney parks. It's the kind of thing I'm really hyped about. So I guess that actually means they didn't post everything. They posted everything except theme park stuff. But I still think that word applies because Disney, being the terrifying monopoly that it is, owns so much and was able to announce so much across their media branches. Disney Animation, Disney Live Action, Disney Plus on streaming, Pixar, Marvel, Lucasfilm, FX, and Hulu all got multiple different announcements each. And those weren't the only ones either. So you better believe that there's something for almost everyone in this thread. The less you try and think about how disconcerting such a stranglehold over the media can be, the more you'll enjoy this episode. But the announcements also gave people plenty of food for thought for the future. Whether it's how Star Wars will look in 2022, or how will Disney Plus build their interface further, or how theatrical releases will play a part in all of this. There are so many questions that have sprouted up from this announcement train, and though that's probably going to work in the company's favour with all the people talking about it, and I'm including myself in that, I still am going to talk about it, because content. So today I'll be going through the announcements and elaborating on what I think will be the most exciting parts of the future of Disney. And for your supplementary material, because you're damn right the supplementary material, I will be linking that specific Twitter thread from the Disney Twitter account in the description of this episode, just in case you want to follow along. Unless you already know everything that's happening, then in which case you can do whatever you want. Either way, let's do the damn thing. The very first announcement was enough to send Twitter into an absolute spiral because it was an announcement that promised a lot of content. Disney announced, and I quote, over the next few years, roughly 10 Marvel series, 10 Star Wars series, 15 Disney live-action, Disney animation, and Pixar series, and 15 all-new Disney live-action, Disney animation, and Pixar features will be released directly on Disney+. And holy shit, that is a lot. 
10 different series each for Marvel and Star Wars, which is incredibly overwhelming, though I also think that there's a lot of potential with what specific projects they've announced, which I'll get to when I get to it. So that's 20 projects already, and then we have the 30 other projects, which are 15 series and 15 feature films, which are split between Pixar, Walt Disney Animation, and Disney's live-action department. So we're roughly getting five films and five series from each of those. Altogether, if you do the calculations, that means there are 50 different projects, whether they're films or series, coming out on Disney Plus over the next few years. That's a lot to deal with. How much of that includes the stuff that announced before today is unknown, and they did announce both new projects and updates to existing projects, so yeah, still pretty overwhelming. The next announcement is an update on Walt Disney Animation's upcoming feature film, Raya and the Last Dragon. If you've been a frequent trier, which is what I'm calling y'all now, and you've been listening to the podcast, I won't have to explain very much about Raya and the Last Dragon, because I did that on episode 8. But we got an update on its release date, which has been pushed forward ever so slightly to March the 5th of 2020. I'm sorry, for some reason I put 2020 in my notes when I really meant 2021. That's how much of a shithole this year has been, because it's just confusing me endlessly. Sorry about that. With a release in theatres and a release on Disney Plus under their Premier Access scheme. It's going to be the same thing that happened with live-action Mulan, where you pay extra to watch the film. Only this time it's worth it, because it's not a live-action remake! (laughs) Can you tell I'm biased? Right now, I don't currently have Disney Plus, but if Pixar's Soul doesn't get me to subscribe, then Raya absolutely will. I think this looks like an intriguing, exciting film, which isn't a cash grab or an unnecessary sequel. And I just generally really like these kinds of original concepts getting made into films. I don't hate sequels and spin-offs and prequels. Actually, scratch that. Most prequels suck. But Raya feels like something that's going to stand on its own as this real cool thing and be worth watching. I'm kind of sad we didn't get some sort of new trailer or some new footage for the film, but we did get two other things. First off, we got a whole bunch of screenshots from the film, with new characters, and a first look at Sisu in her dragon form, which looks quite a bit better than the concept art did, so that's great. And secondly, we got a new poster, which looks amazing. Disney's poster department stays winning. After that, we get onto some more technical updates around the future of Disney+, and in particular, the expansion of Disney+. So next year, it's getting launched in Eastern Europe, South Korea, and Hong Kong. But also next year, the existing service will be expanding to include a new brand. So far, there are five content tiles on Disney+, which are Pixar, Marvel, Star Wars, National Geographic, and then obviously Disney. But there will be a new edition next year, a new edition for more mature content, and it's going to be named Star. This will feature a lot of the content from ABC, Freeform, FX, 21st Century Studios, and the other subsidiaries that would have been too mature for Disney Plus's main area, and it will only be available outside the United States. They don't need it in the US. They have Hulu there. This was actually announced in August of this year, but it was doubled down in this Twitter thread with some more specific details. Star would be integrated into Disney Plus in Europe, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, and several other markets in 2021 while Star Plus would be a separate service in Latin America. So, on one hand, this is a great way of expanding Disney Plus and its reach to further beyond what they have now, but there is just one little problem I have with it. And here it is. Why Star? Why do we need to have a separate brand for the rest of the world when the purpose of Star is nearly indistinguishable from that of Disney's existing brand for streaming more mature content? In other words, why don't they just launch Hulu instead? It's an established brand with a distinct identity, and it's lasted long enough in the US to prove that its existence is warranted. Why can't they just roll out Hulu internationally? And this has baffled me for years, because this back and forth about the prospect of an international launch for Hulu, it's been a thing for a long time. The UK and Japan have been identified as potential markets for a launch all the way back in 2010, and Japan's version actually did get a launch in 2011. But the UK version never happened, it never got its own version, and neither did anywhere else. So a lot of the Hulu original programs got picked up by other channels and streaming services instead. And even as recently as February of this year, there have been plans to bring Hulu overseas, and Bob Iger even pitched early 2021 as a prospective launch date. Yet, Star is a thing now. 
It looks like the change in CEO seems to be the thing that set this into motion, because while Bob Iger was more than willing to give Hulu an international push, Bob Chapek is not wanting to do such a thing at all. I'm going to take his exact words from a recent earnings call and break it down a little bit. The first part of this quote states, In terms of the general entertainment offering internationally, we want to mirror our successful Disney Plus strategy by using our Disney Plus technical platform, bringing in content we already own, and distributing it under a successful international brand that we also already own, which is, of course, Star. Okay, all of this I understand, mirroring your existing service, using the existing platform, bringing in your own content, and distributing it under your own brand. Fair enough. Hulu is a joint venture between the Walt Disney Company and Comcast, and as of March 2019, Disney holds the majority stake. But Comcast has already agreed to cede control of Hulu to Disney and sell off its stake, so basically, Hulu is Disney's own brand. Why do they need to make a new one just for the international market? Oh wait, Mr. JPEG has an explanation for this too. Let's see. I think it's important to look at the differences on how we plan to enter the market. Hulu aggregates third-party content. This will not. Hulu has no brand awareness outside of the US. And this is where my eye starts twitching a little. <laughs> of course Hulu has no brand awareness outside of the US. Because you never fucking launched it outside the US, except for Japan. Well done on stating the obvious. That's not on the fault of Hulu as a brand, or its identity, or its tenets. It's because over 10 years, you sat on a streaming service and made very few attempts to spread brand awareness beyond the US and Japan. That's your fault. As for the whole third-party content thing, why the hell does it really matter to people? You already own so much content from ABC, Freeform, FX, 21st Century Studios, and you're going to be featuring content that aired on Fox and Showtime, which you don't own. So why is that an obstacle for launching Hulu? And also, if Hulu has no brand awareness internationally, why would the third-party content thing even matter? It's about as relevant as one program being on UK Netflix and not being on US Netflix. It's so ridiculous. It just feels like this CEO is hell-bent on not launching Hulu internationally and pushing on with this star brand instead, which is kind of not great because star as a name is painfully generic. The name star derives from a media conglomerate in India called Star, which Disney now owns. And while the name Star works in India, as it's had that time to be established for a long time through its TV channels, and that will have a meaning to people in India, calling something Star in the UK or Canada or Australia, it's not going to have the same meaning because we don't have the familiarity with the brand. In fact, it kind of means nothing which would be a very similar thing to them launching Hulu in the UK, or Canada, or Australia. However, the Hulu name is pretty distinct, and even the slime green colour scheme sets itself apart from most streaming services and areas of Disney in general. We don't have Disney XD anymore in the UK, so that's not an obstacle. Whereas the name Star is possibly the most generic name for a thing ever? Not to mention, Star isn't far off Stars, which is a set of premium channels in the US with a streaming service that has an international presence, including the UK, Europe, and Latin America. The British Channel 5 has a sister channel called Five Star, and not too long ago there was a music channel called Stars TV, even though it's closed now. All of that indicates that maybe Star wouldn't be the best choice for naming a streaming service, because there are too many things that have had that name before, and then that and have their own associations, even if it is just a tile on the Disney Plus homepage. If they just used the Hulu name, the logo, the branding, and made that the new tile on Disney Plus, they wouldn't have to make any changes to the technical platform, they wouldn't really have to make any marketing changes, and they could just use the content they were going to launch in the first place. And it would work just as well, if not better, than doing that all under Star, which from what I can tell has a pretty generic logo and not much interesting going on in the branding department. So in summary, just fucking launch Hulu internationally, you cowards. Then we have some ESPN updates. I'm gay, I don't know any of that stuff. Let's move swiftly along to Hulu's announcements and also Star's announcements, which really could have been simplified if they just went with one of them worldwide, but I digress. I've beat this horse a bit too many times for it to be engaging anymore. Some new dramas and comedies are on their way to Hulu. Not all of them are going to be on Star. I'm not saying anything. Some new FX shows will also be going on Hulu because they have their partnership FX on Hulu. 
and that's going to include a series based on Alien and the spin-off of American Horror Story called American Horror Stories, which we already knew about, but it's nice to have that extra confirmation. Most of this is honestly stuff I don't know enough about to talk about with the correct insight, and I don't care enough about it to know about this stuff, so there you go. The next set of announcements was one of the first ones people really gave a shit about, and that is the Lucasfilm announcement, which includes a whole bevy of Star Wars content. People love Star Wars, but people have also been in a really weird position about its future, ever since and even before Rise of Skywalker came out. They've been a bit concerned about whether Disney is stifling the potential of the universe and whether we're doomed for more executive meddled Franken features. Yeah, there's a lot of discourse, but one thing most people have agreed on is that The Mandalorian is good. In fact, it's really good. I've never seen it, but I've heard far more positive talk than negative talk about it. So that's the opinion we're going on with today. So let's go through all the new Star Wars series that will be going on Disney+. Plus. Most of these are live action, so if I don't explicitly tell you that it's an animated series, just assume it's live action, okay? First off, we have Rangers of the New Republic. We don't know too much about this one, other than the fact that it'll take place within the timeline of The Mandalorian. Some people have speculated that this will mean that characters from that show will cross over into this one, but speculation is a cheap spot and Disney hasn't confirmed anything. Hopefully they won't cast anyone who's transphobic, right? Uh, who am I kidding? Disney doesn't really give a shit about that. Moving on, we have Ahsoka, a new original series also set within the timeline of The Mandalorian. This is obviously going to be based around Ahsoka Tano. If you didn't know, she debuted in the animated Clone Wars movie and series, but recently appeared in live action for the first time, played by Rosario Dawson, who will be playing her in this series. We then have trailers for two other series. First one is Andor, which revolves around Cassian from Rogue One. And the other is The Bad Batch, which is an animated series, and I believe a Clone Wars spin-off. I don't have a great deal much to say about these ones, but I know there's a lot of people really excited about them, so that should indicate something. We got some news about the upcoming Obi-Wan Kenobi series, which will feature Ewan McGregor reprising his role, and, wait for it, it will also feature Hayden Christensen as Darth Vader. It's going to be set 10 years after Revenge of the Sith, and even though I doubt I'll be watching, I'm definitely interested to see screenshots, trailers, casting announcements. Like, some things I don't watch, but I'm interested to see what happens with them, and this is definitely one of those cases. We also have a series of animated short films called Visions, which will apparently be run by Japanese anime creators, which is going to be really cool. I just think having other perspectives generally, but particularly in animated form, is a good thing when it comes to a franchise like this, because it's a big world and there's so much potential for different stories. You shouldn't just have the same five people telling them. Get some people from around the world or walks of life, just anyone who can bring a valuable story to the universe. Another thing I'm going to keep my eye out for. The next one is Lando, which is going to apparently be a limited series based on Lando Calrissian. There haven't been any casting announcements, but... I've heard a lot of people think Donald Glover will be reprising his take on Lando from the Solo film, which was one of the most acclaimed parts of that film. Or should I say, one of the only acclaimed parts of that film. If so, that's awesome! It's also something I feel like people have been asking for, so it's nice to see Disney actually listen to that feedback. That's great. We also have The Acolyte, which will be set at the end of the High Republic era, I believe? The co-creator of Russian Doll is leading this one, and it's apparently going to be a female-led series, which I'm excited for. It's also the one that's had the most backlash from some people online, which... Can't think of a reason for that. Okay, film news now. Lucasfilm is still working on Indiana Jones 5. Apparently this is going to be the last one in the series. Harrison Ford will be back, of course, and that's dated for July of 2022. There's also an adaptation of Tommy Adeyemi's novel, Children of Blood and Bone, which sounds really amazing. It's not tied to an existing franchise or anything, but overall, it just looks cool. So I'm bringing it up anyway, because I think it's interesting. Apparently, it has a lot of influence from West African mythology, but it's also like young adult fiction. So I can imagine something so awesome from this. I keep an eye out for this one, if I were you. There's something great here. There are also two upcoming Star Wars films on the way, one involving Taika Waititi and then another one called Rogue Squadron, which will be directed by Paddy Jenkins. Now, these sound like awesome projects, 
as long as Disney and Lucasfilm just lets these talented directors do their thing with these films, okay, then there's potential for these films to give people faith in Star Wars films again. Because the reason you hire these people is because they're good at what they do. So let them do it. If Marvel can do that and have their directors really lead the charge with the style of their films, then so can Star Wars. All right, National Geographic has some announcements. Not many of them are really that interesting to me. But Sigourney Weaver is narrating a documentary about whales. That's cool. And then the next series of Genius is going to be on Disney+, and it's going to be about Martin Luther King Jr. There you go. Let's get on to some Disney Plus announcements now. The first thing you get hit with is a bunch of announcements about new live-action series. There are like four of them, and they're all in this kind of family genre. This feels like a genre where Disney hasn't really been able to put stuff like this anywhere. Like, it doesn't work on Disney Channel because it's more about like tween sitcoms and animation. And then Disney Plus is basically a... What am I saying? Disney XD. This is why Disney having so many stuff is confusing. And hence why they should just have Hulu <laughs> instead of launching Star. But I digress again. So Disney XD, that old chestnut, is basically a similar thing to Disney Channel, only it's more edgy, and I believe they do a lot more repeats now. And then these shows aren't big enough to go on ABC, it doesn't really fit with Freeform, and it would certainly be a bit of an outlier on Hulu as well. So that whole brand of fun and wholesome shows for the whole family, it's finally found a home, and that is Disney+, Plus, which makes sense, because Disney as a whole is seen as a family brand and something everyone can enjoy. That kind of show isn't for me, but there is an audience for it, so I'm glad they figured out where to put these types of shows. I have one last big streaming-related announcement, and it's concerning a new breed of content coming to Hulu in the US and multiple territories on Star. <sighs> Take a deep breath. In the coming years, you'll be seeing new content from America's most famous family. Yep, the Kardashians and Jenners are going to be making content for Hulu and star. Now at first, I didn't know what this was going to mean because Keeping Up With The Kardashians is ending soon and I don't see them jumping on Hulu to make a new reality show. Well, scratch that. Actually, I do see that. Who are we kidding? But I don't think that's what they're going to do. After some thought, I feel like I know exactly what they're going to do and it's going to be a similar thing to what Gwyneth Paltrow did with the Goop docuseries on Netflix. Don't take this as like fact, this is just my baseless speculation based on my awareness of the lifestyles of rich Californians, which isn't that extensive. But in my mind, I'm seeing like a Kim Kardashian legal docuseries, maybe some kind of wellness thing from Courtney, or maybe, just maybe, Chris will have another crack at a talk show. It could happen, it's possible. Very unlikely, but still possible, so I'm counting it. This is a multi-year global deal so I'll take that as being multiple different projects in the works, and I'm assuming each family member's gonna have some kind of different passion project. Because they can, because they signed the deal. <laughs> so whether you love them or you hate them, they probably will be doing quite a bit of content for Hulu, and also Star, and I'm gonna stop talking about Disney streaming decisions, because otherwise it'll probably kill me. Alright, time for the good stuff. Not the best stuff, that's the animation section, but... I'd say Walt Disney Pictures, even their live-action division, ranks relatively high on my intrigue tier list. Some of this stuff will be theatrical, but it looks like most of it is going straight on Disney+, Plus. so let's talk. First thing is Hocus Pocus 2, which is getting an exclusive release on Disney+. Plus. They haven't said when, there is no projected date. They also haven't said anything about casting. I have seen reports that Bette Midler, Kathy Najimy, and Sarah Jessica Parker have all expressed an interest in returning. Can I do words, please? But if Disney had got those castings in writing, they probably would have announced it there and then, let's face it. So for now, that's all we know. Then we have a whole bunch of remakes that are on their way to Disney+, and surprisingly, they're not live-action remakes of Disney classics! I mean... Not yet. We've still got a bit of scrolling to draw. And this, this is Disney, after all. But now Disney is taking full advantage of all of the 20th Century Studios properties that they have their grubby little mitts on. And they're going all in. So, we have a remake of Three Men and a Baby, a new Ice Age series, a Cheaper by the Dozen remake, a new animated Night of the Museum movie, and a new animated Diary of a Wimpy Kid movie. 
thank God that last one's animated. I don't think the internet could handle another live action recasting of that series. And then the last one of these announcements is Sister Act 3, which will feature the return of Whoopi Goldberg in both acting and producing roles, and will also be, what do you know, on Disney+. Plus. Now, if you've been listening to this podcast for long enough, by that I mean around episode 8, you might just know that I don't really enjoy Disney's live action remakes, like, at all. So naturally, when I scroll down to see a whole section about these remakes, I'm not exactly overjoyed. But I'm not as pessimistic this time around because, first of all, is that there seems to be fewer announcements on live action Disney remakes this time around. And two, the announcements themselves are just less bad, mostly. There's actually some cool stuff in here. Let's go from the most tediously banal to the best stuff, starting off with the worst. A new prequel to the 2019 not live action remake of The Lion King. Not only are we getting a new installment of the rather soulless and not particularly liked remake of the beloved classic, but it's also going to be a prequel. A prequel, aka the worst kind of movie. Prequels either spend a bunch of time going over a story you don't care about in the same world as something you do care about, or they spend a bunch of time filling in plot holes and adding a bunch of unnecessary exposition to something you liked just the way it was. I know some prequels can escape this trap, hashtag not all prequels, but most of the time, filmmakers get this wrong and it just ends up being a slog. But the fact that we're getting another photorealistic Lion King film, regardless of it being a prequel, yeah, I'm not sure why creatively this needed to happen. Other than money. The Lion King 2019 made truckloads of money, and Disney wants to do it again, so... Yay! But realistically, the only good things that came out of The Lion King 2019 were a new Beyoncé album and a new Beyoncé visual album. That's it. You want to make a bunch of money and give people something they actually want to see, Disney? Just sign a deal with Beyoncé. Because that's the one thing people actually liked about The Lion King 2019. It certainly wasn't the unnecessary story changes or the soulless hyperreal animation or the celebrity voice cast. It was the fact that we also happened to get a new Beyoncé album and we got a Marvel and the amazing visual album Black is King, which just happens to be on Disney+. Plus. So maybe instead of throwing money at another photoreal Lion King film, perhaps you ought to sign a deal with Beyonce regarding content for your streaming platforms. It would certainly be more interesting than whatever you've signed the Kardashians for. Right, next live-action film announcements are both new remakes going to Disney+. Plus: Peter Pan and Wendy and Pinocchio. And I literally have nothing to say about these because I do not care. And if you don't have anything else to say, keep your mouth closed, unless you have a podcast. The one live-action remake I do care about is The Little Mermaid, which has its casting fully finalised and announced. There isn't a great deal we didn't already know from rumours, so there's nothing really to announce. But we got the picture with all the cast on it, so that counts for something. The one great thing about this film is that they made a great casting decision in having an exceptionally talented singer play Ariel. Because the thing that Ursula wants to take from her is her voice. And let me tell you, Halle Bailey has an incredible voice. I'm not going to talk too much about Ungodly Hour because I'm saving that for a later episode. I'm going to build to that. But if that album's anything to go off of, the soundtrack for this film is going to be golden. And we won't have to sit through five layers of autotune like we did with Emma Watson because Halle's voice speaks for itself. She has the talent, she has the range, and that alone has made me more confident that this film isn't just going to be a cheap cash grab, because they chose talent. Alright, the last two announcements are the ones I genuinely have enthusiasm for, so let's get into those. First off, a hybrid live-action animated feature film, <laughs> God, based on Chippendale Rescue Rangers coming to Disney+. Plus. This is a project that could either be absolute gold, or a complete abomination. And as you may know, I love a good mess, and I'd rather see a glorious disaster piece than a competent, soulless film. They haven't mentioned whether the animation will be CG animation or 2D, like the upcoming Tom and Jerry film. I'm hoping for the latter, though I think it's unlikely, because the last thing this decade needs is another album than the Chipmunks film. But the most exciting thing about this film is the casting. We have Andy Samberg as Dale and John Mulaney as Chip. Oh my goodness, the best casting decision I've seen in a long time. 
this is just going to be a lot of fun overall. It's definitely going to be a bit watered down because it's Disney, but still, a John Mulaney chipmunk is enough for me to be excited about this project. And then finally, the best of the live-action Disney announcements. You know it. It's Enchanted 2. We're finally getting an Enchanted 2, and I am freaking hyped. It's going to be called Disenchanted, and it's also going to be on Disney+, Plus because Disney knows people want this film, and they're going to get them to join Disney+, Plus one way or another. It's, it's me. I'm a people. So all that we know is that it's happening, it's coming to Disney+, Plus, and Amy Adams is going to be back as Giselle. And as far as I'm concerned, Amy Adams as Giselle makes that movie what it is. She really said, I'm going to be the best Disney princess and none of you can stop me. I don't care if you don't add me to the official lineup. I'm still the best Disney princess. And the fact we're getting a second helping is the best news I've had in a long time. Hopefully we'll get some casting announcements, some announcements about filming to see that this is actually getting into production and then we can see who's coming back for it. I have high hopes for this film. Please don't disappoint me, Disney. Give me this one. This is the one thing I'm really, really looking forward to. All right, enough faffing around. Let's get on to some animation, baby. We start with a couple of announcements from Walt Disney Animation. And there isn't that much here, but the good thing is that everything is at least good. I'm not going to go back over the Raya stuff as I talked about that in the beginning. So let's go on to their next original theatrical film. It's called Encanto, and it's set in Colombia, where a magical family live in a magical home. That's, that's literally the description they put on Twitter. There's also a brief teaser trailer for it, and it's going to have music composed by the lip-biting king himself, Lin-Manuel Miranda. Overall, I'm just always happy to see Disney making original animated projects. Same thing with Raya, I'm just always here for it. We also have another animated project, which is a partnership between Walt Disney Animation and Kugali, which is a Pan-African entertainment company. It is a science fiction series with Black lead characters, and the concept art looks absolutely incredible. It's called Iwaju, which means the future in the Yoruba language, and it's coming to Disney Plus in 2022. Yet again, more original animation is a great thing in my eyes, especially when it looks as good as this. And I can't wait to check it out because it sounds amazing. The last announcement is actually four different announcements in one. It's four different animated series on Disney Plus from Walt Disney Animation. We are getting a new Big Hero 6 series named Baymax, a new Zootopia series named Zootopia Plus, a new Moana series named Moana, and a series based on Tiana from The Princess and the Frog, and it's called Tiana. When I saw this announcement, I was gobsmacked. Like, this was, like, the one I was most surprised by and pleasantly surprised by. Just the sheer amount of potential from these series, like, it radiates from them. And it's something I was practically foaming at the mouth for. The Baymax series, less so. There's already been a Big Hero 6 animated series, so I'm not really sure where this one's going to go. But the fact we're getting series says, instead of just sequels is something I think will work wonders for these particular stories and the franchises. For example, Zootopia is just such a big world where so many different characters exist and could spin off into their own stories. And I believe that the Zootopia Plus series will be an anthology series. So like one episode is going to be about the sloths, Another one's going to be about gazelles backing dancers and that one tiger that could treat me right. And that'll keep going. And then we have Moana, which really could lend itself well to either a sequel or a series. But I think the series idea allows for more different adventures. So I think a series was the right call for Moana. And then, most excitingly, Tiana is getting her own series. Yes, yes, yes. And absolutely yes. I'm elated from this decision. I think that it was high time that Disney makes some Martiana content, especially where she isn't a frog, because I think kids deserve to see a black Disney princess, and not just for part of the story. This series feels like something that a lot of people were asking for and wanting to see, so I think it's great that Disney is for once putting creative vision over just making money as far as their existing properties go. What's interesting is that now we have word of the Tiana series, the retheming of Splash Mountain into the Princess and the Frog themed ride that was announced a while back, that makes a lot more sense. 
obviously Splash Mountain being based on Song of the South and the discomfort around that was a very valid reason for a retheming. But then specifically making a Princess and the Frog ride, while it was an awesome creative decision and something fans were actually wanting to see, myself included, it was unusual in my eyes to see Disney actually doing it. Let, let me just lay this out. Princess and the Frog didn't do that well in the box office. It never got any spin-offs other than them adding Tiana to the Princess lineup. A lot of new Disney rides in like lands, they're always based on very financially lucrative properties like Marvel, Star Wars, Frozen. And the ones that aren't, they tend to start off in foreign parks like the Tron Coaster in Shanghai and the Ratatouille ride in Paris. And those are very easy to clone and just bring them to the American parks, which is what is happening for the Tron Coaster in Shanghai and Ratatouille ride in Paris. They're both going to Florida soon. But this Splash Mountain re-theme, both of them taking place in the US parks, it almost seemed like too good to be true. Like it's the perfect re-theming. But I'd have thought that Disney will never do it because while Princess and the Frog is a beloved film with a good amount of acclaim, it's not exactly a money pit either. So now them doing this ride makes more sense as they're actually continuing Tiana's story on Disney+. Plus. Because, I mean, it was a great idea to do the re-theming of Splash Mountain and to announce that. But, like, Disney isn't just altruistic. They're not just doing it out of the goodness of their heart. This is the perfect time to bring a Disney Princess and the Frog ride into the parks. And what just happens is that both of these decisions will actually be fulfilling decisions and enjoyable decisions in the creative sense, rather than just milking another product out of one of the cash cows. Disney gets to bring new life to a beloved film now in multiple engaging new ways. Park goers get to experience a classic ride with a more rich and vibrant story, and viewers get to see a Black Disney princess be allowed to be a Black Disney princess. It's like the perfect storybook ending. Now, onto some more animation, this time from Pixar. Obviously, their latest film, Soul, is going to be out on Christmas Day as a Disney Plus release. It won't use the Premiere Access thing, so you won't have to pay extra if you want to watch it. And from what I've heard, it's really worth watching because it's had some really stellar reviews. So I can't wait to see it. But the question is, what lies in store in 2021 and beyond for Pixar? First off, the next film that they're bringing out in theatres, following Soul, will be called Luca. This was announced a while back, but they just went over it again in the Twitter thread, which they did for a couple of different projects. What they didn't do in the Twitter thread was show off the first look teaser footage. I found this on a few other sites, and I'm not sure where the footage first came up, or if it's like a leak, but either way, we got some footage from the upcoming film, and oh my goodness, it looks so cute. It's set in the Italian Riviera, and it's about these two boys having the best summer of their lives, but apparently one of them can turn into a sea monster. The animation style is so friggin' adorable, and I just want all of the plushies. They need to merchandise the shit out of this film, because the animation just looks so cute. It's scheduled for June 2021, so if we're judging by typical promotion and release cycles, it shouldn't be too long before we see a proper trailer and a poster for this one. It's typically around six to nine month window before the release of a film that you'll get that first poster and the teaser trailer. And we're in that bracket now, so keep your eyes peeled, folks. The next two films are brand new announcements, both for 2022 and both theatrically in cinemas. One is for March and one is for June. And the June film is the one that's been getting the most hype. And that is primarily because it is a Toy Story spin-off. It's called Lightyear and it focuses on the heroic test pilot who inspired the toy Buzz Lightyear. And what a lot of people have been talking about is that the titular character is going to be voiced by Chris Evans, which led some people to think that Tim Allen, who's always voiced Buzz in the Toy Story films, was being replaced. However, it's been reiterated by Disney and Pixar and Chris Evans as well, that this isn't about Buzz Lightyear the toy, but about Buzz Lightyear the in-universe real-life space ranger. So while there's been a bunch of hype for this film, there's also been a few people thinking that they booted Tim Allen for being a conservative. And like, we don't have time to unpack all of that conspiracy, but the base message is that people don't know the whole picture. And from what we do know, the Chris Evans buzz is a totally different character to the Tim Allen buzz. And I think that's the best place to leave it. 
my concern with all this Lightyear hype is that it's really drowned out the hype for the other Pixar film that's coming out in March 2022. This is a film called Turning Red, and one thing that I'm excited about is that Domi Shi is directing this film. If you didn't know, Domi Shi is the genius behind the short film Bao, which was the, the one about the steam bun that comes to life, which made her not only the first woman to direct a Pixar short film, but also the first woman of colour to win the Academy Award for Best Animated Short Film. And Turning Red will not only be her feature-length directorial debut at Pixar, but also the first of Pixar's films to solely have a female director. This would have been brave back in 2012, but Pixar just couldn't let Brenda Chapman do her thing, so they booted her off the project halfway through. Justice for Brenda Chapman. As for the past few years, I've been really concerned about Pixar's boys club atmosphere that I've heard a lot about, and especially with what we know now about John Lasseter, which, yikes. So I think it's incredibly important that Pixar is recognising all of the different voices in their company, and not just the chosen few. And Domi Shea has really earned this, especially from the amount of praise and hype that Bao received. Like, some people said it was better than the feature film it preceded, Incredibles 2 and perhaps it was more memorable. (laughs) I can't wait to see what she does with a feature film. So what we know about Turning Red is that it's about a 13-year-old girl named May who is going through adolescence, and when she gets too excited, she poops into a giant red panda. (laughs) Conceptually, I can't wait to see how this works within the story, and judging by the first character renders that have come out, these designs are so cute, and I bet they'll be even better in movement, and again, another one that I hope gets a lot of merch because those were made for plushies. Some people have said that the designs have like a Wallace and Gromit look to them, which feels like a new territory for Pixar, so I'm excited to see how everything looks. I would estimate late summer to early autumn of 2021 for the first trailer. It does seem like at the moment I'm in the smaller group of the people who are extra hyped for turning red, whereas I'm mostly curious and intrigued over Lightyear, but not that hyped. And when you look at the release schedule, it's telling that Pixar gave the summer slot to Lightyear while having Turning Red release in March. A June release for Pixar is pretty common, whereas the only time a Pixar film has had a March release was Onward, which kind of came out and then went by very quickly, though I think COVID probably factored into that quite a lot. In fact, a lot of the years that Pixar has done two releases has resulted in one of the films getting a bit forgotten. The Good Dinosaur didn't do terribly well in the box office in the same year Inside Out was seen as Pixar's return to form. Cars 3 existed in the same year that Coco became a beloved classic in the Pixar canon. And then we have Onward, which you probably forgot about already, getting its release the same year as Soul, a more emotionally resonant project in the style of Inside Out. When I looked at the dates like that, it made me quite concerned that Turning Red would be given the but slot, so to speak, and get overshadowed by Lightyear upon release. Which it kind of already has as far as these announcements go. And I think that's a shame, because Turning Red not only feels like an awesome concept, with adorable characters, with truckloads of merch potential, we want plushies. It's also a significant milestone for Pixar in terms of their history of directors. And it worries me that this film could end up forgotten and not really given its dues. So, if there's one thing I want you to take from this episode, is that you should not be sleeping on Turning Red. But it's not just films that Pixar is doing. They're also making a bunch of shows for Disney+. Plus. We already have a Monsters, Inc. series in the works for 2021, so it's exciting to see even more series from Pixar coming out. The first of these new announcements is Pixar Popcorn, which looks to be a bunch of short films centering around various different Pixar characters from different films. So we have like Ducky and Bunny from Toy Story 4, and then some characters from Coco and The Incredibles and Soul. This is coming this January on Disney+, Plus, so uh, it's not very long at all before those come out. The next series is Doug Days, which is coming out, I believe, in fall of 2021. And this centers around Doug from Up, and about him discovering the dangers of suburbia. And it sounds like a great idea, and I'm glad that we're getting more of Doug but I am a little concerned that they'll maybe stretch him out a little thin from being like this lovable side character to being a bit overplayed by the end of the series. I hope that they get that balance right. Next, we have a new Cars series about Lightning McQueen and Major going on a road trip and meeting various characters, old and new. I'm glad that this new project is a series and not a feature film. Read my lips. Keep the Cars franchise away from the cinemas. We had a good ending with Cars 3, 
so it's time to hang it up, officially. But if series sounds good, it'll keep the merch department going on for a while. So, yeah, good for them. The last series they've announced is definitely, at least, I think, the most fascinating one, because it's an original concept. It's not going to be based on one of the films. This is going to be completely ground up, new idea. It's called Win or Lose, and it revolves around a middle school softball team about to play their championship game. And each episode is going to be from the perspective of a different character, which is such a cool concept. I would love to see more original animated series from Pixar and not just spin-off series, because, you know, the spin-offs are fun and it's exciting to see those characters again. But there's something so much more exciting about them creating something new and using the medium of a series to do it. And Pixar hasn't really had that opportunity before. They've always done it through film. So, like, to do it through, a, like, a serialized TV series, even if it is just for streaming, that's going to be really fascinating. That and all of the other series will be streaming on Disney+, Plus. just to clarify. Hold on, I already mentioned that in my notes. Well, you're getting it again! The last section I have is Marvel, which is not as exciting for me as Disney and Pixar, but I still think their world building is pretty exciting, so I'm always here to see what they do next and what how they expand their universe. The first announcements were trailers for their upcoming Disney Plus series that we already knew about, which will be the start of Phase 4 of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So we have January is WandaVision, which will feature the return of Scarlet Witch, Vision, and most importantly, Cat Dennings as Darcy Lewis, the one character I've been waiting to see make a comeback. Yes, at least this year gives something good. And then we also have the trailer and a start date for The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which starts in March. And then the trailer for Loki, which starts in May. We also have an announcement that I feel flew under the radar for a lot of people, but the upcoming film, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, will feature, amongst other characters, the character America Chavez. She's a superhero with superhuman strength and the power of flight, and she's a lesbian, at least she is in the comics. If that's another character to look forward to, I don't know what it is, and I don't know why more people are not talking about her. So let that be another lesson. Talk about her, please. <laughs> then we have the Miss Marvel series, which has been filming with that revolves around Kamala Khan, who will also be starring in Captain Marvel 2, which has been announced for release in 2022. We have the Hawkeye series coming to Disney Plus and the She-Hulk series also coming to Disney Plus. Those were already announced beforehand. But we did get some new casting details, though, including Haley Steinfeld being confirmed for the Hawkeye series. There are also some new series that have been announced, because of course there has. We have a Nick Fury series and a War Machine series. Then we have Ironheart, which will revolve around Riri Williams, who created a suit of armor similar to that of Iron Man. These three series are all going to have black lead characters, so that's pretty awesome. There will also be a Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special, which, uh, okay, I didn't expect that, but it's going to be a thing. We'll see how that goes. <clears throat> and there's also going to be a series of shots surrounding Baby Groot, which, uh, bit late, guys. I think the Baby Groot train left the station a while ago. And I'm pretty sure Disney Plus already has a ridiculously cute and merchandisable infant character. B but hey, who am I to criticise? even though I've been criticising Disney this whole episode. As for some of the other movies in development, the upcoming third instalment of Ant-Man will be named Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, which is a really cool word, so I'm counting that as exciting. Though apparently they recast the character of Cassie Lang without telling the original actress, which, yikes, that's not the best etiquette, and whoever was in charge of that decision, as much as it's like, a worthwhile creative decision, perhaps. I don't know what they were thinking. But whoever was in charge, they need a lesson in manners and maybe, you know, telling people these things, better communication. But I don't know how Hollywood works. Next, we have a formal announcement about Black Panther 2, which will be released in July of 2022. They will not be recasting T'Challa. Now, I don't think I'm the best person to make that kind of decision, as I think Black people should be leading that conversation. But personally, I just don't think you could replace Chadwick Boseman in that role. We'll just have to see where they take the story next. They're probably going to shift the narrative towards other characters, and I'm interested to see how that plays out. 
And then the final announcement is something that even I was surprised by. Like, I know I've been shocked about this whole Spider-Man multiverse casting news, which is incredibly exciting. But I didn't know the MCU would have something else in store for me that was going to give me a bit of a surprise. (laughs) But the MCU is finally going to take on the Fantastic Four. It's been announced for development. No date, but it's happening. Otherwise, they wouldn't have animated the Snazzy logo for us. I'm hoping they have some great casting in mind. I'm hoping that they'll integrate the team into the universe well. And hopefully they'll have a better wig department. Poor Kate Marla. And with that, there's all of the announcements we have. Wow, that was a lot of exposition. And my voice box is about to go on strike. So let's wrap this episode up with a final conclusion. I think there's a lot of great things coming from the Walt Disney Company in the next few years. And though I'm also pretty concerned about how much power they have, and also how much capital they're ripping through, it's still nice to know that there's going to be content that people will enjoy and feel seen by. If you're excited about one of these projects, that's awesome. We're in the pits of a horrendous year, and it's good that you have something to look forward to, even if it is just a film or a series. (laughs) For me, the things I'm looking forward to the most are Pixar's Turning Red and Disney's Tiana series, and then obviously Enchanted 2, of course. But I'm sure that answer's different from just about everyone. And it's good that we all have some different things to be excited for. That's awesome. So let me know which of these upcoming projects is getting you the most hyped up. And if none of them are, that's cool too. I'll never tell people that they have to care about something as trivial as an upcoming streaming series. So if you don't give a shit about any of these announcements, that's A-OK by me. Anyway, if you're listening to this episode at this point, it means you sat through the whole episode. And that's what really matters to me. But in all seriousness, if you like this episode, feel free to leave a review depending on the platform, which I'm not even sure which platforms have reviews. I know Apple is one of them. So that much I know. (laughs) And if not, share it with your friends. You can subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. And you can catch up with me on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and the podcast's home on Anchor. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. And until next time, keep trying your best, everyone. Bye for now.